This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. This is Jimmy Scroggins from our offices at Family Church, downtown West Palm Beach, here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, engineer Carly Silman. Also on the podcast with us today is my friend Nick Floyd, pastor of Cross Church in Northwest Arkansas. And Nick has been a friend of mine, somebody that I've admired as a leader and as a brother for many years. And man, just one of the greatest churches in America. And I believe that, Nick, you're one of the greatest leaders in America, not because so much of because of what you've accomplished, although that's significant, but more just your heart for Jesus, your heart for the local church as an idea, as a concept, and your love for pastors. And you're known far and wide for your care and concern for pastors. So I commend Nick Floyd to all of our listeners at Church for the Rest of Us. If you don't know him, Nick, welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Glad you're with us today. Hey, man. Glad to be a part of it. All right. So, Leslie, we've been in the middle of this pandemic. We're podcasting from the Corona apocalypse. We're in South Florida, kind of a hot spot. We're still in phase one of reopening. And so there's a lot of concern and consternation. You know, most churches where we are have not reopened yet. Most of the larger churches are probably looking more July, August, September before that happens. But a lot of our sister churches around the country are reopening. That's right. So we wanted to have some conversations. Nick, we know that you all reopened this past Sunday. Is that right? We did. We did. And so uh, we want to just see if we could just pick your range. So for those listening, what I want to do is just kind of do what we would do if Nick and I were just on the phone having a pastor to pastor conversation about, you know, what's really going on. So first, let me just ask Nick, like, how did Cross Church do during the, you know, three months of being shut down in terms of in-person gatherings? Yeah, we were probably like many other places uh, when this thing first hit, you know, you have the thoughts of what in the world is about to happen? And you just kind of have a lot of fear. We were officially online 11 weeks. So almost, you know, what is that? Three months. Yeah. Almost three yeah. Months. It's, like, exactly. it's like Groundhog Day. Isn't it, it is like Groundhog Day. Like what day and is it? And how long have I, I been doing this? <laughs> it was hard to imagine, you know, the, the longer it kept on, man, I can't believe that we're still doing this, but really things went well, very well. Uh, we saw people come to Christ. We were baptizing probably more weeks than not showing baptisms and we had people joining the church. So in a time that was so uncertain in so many ways, it was like God just sat down and really blessed the church during this time. So it's been a cool thing. As you were doing church at home or doing it online only for those times, did you have to make a significant shift in what you were doing online or just kind of keep doing what you were already doing? Yeah, we, we obviously, like many others, already offered online services, but we tried to to just make it better. We had seen some churches doing an online lobby before and after. So we put two guys in front of a camera, and, <laughs> you know, two of our more fun personalities. And so they spiced it up a little bit there. Obviously everything else online was new. You know, we didn't offer normally zoom Bible studies or zoom membership classes, but we had to shift to all that stuff. We began filming baptisms during the week and then showing them on Sunday as if it was live. And so it was, you know, we learned a lot. We're still learning a lot for sure. So did you do a live service? Did you broadcast live or did you record everything? Okay. Yeah, we felt better. We, uh, 
if you remember towards the beginning, everybody was thinking, oh my goodness, are we going to get shut down here? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we went in, we went into the worship center. We filmed a couple of services. I think we filmed Palm Sunday and Easter. And I was so unhappy with my Easter sermon. I scrapped it and totally did a different thing. So we put a few in the hopper just in case, but we liked the live feel. So it was more normal for us to get up and come to church and film. We offered two services online. So we would, the first one was live. The second one was just a repeat, but we liked that live aspect. There's something about the feel of it. We only recorded one service and that was the very last service. And we gave everybody the last weekend off before we kind of went back in strong. Yeah. And so I have some other friends who did the same thing, Leslie. They kind of felt like just the urgency of the moment and the sense of connection with the audience that's watching live while you're delivering live. There is something real about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Nick, as you kind of did that, what are some things that you're thinking about as you're kind of entering this new reopening phase? Yeah, we, uh, our governor, we've been one of the more open states throughout the pandemic and uh, our cases have not been that high across the state. So we were given freedom May 10th to open, but being a larger church, we did not need to be the first one to return, if that makes sense, in the area. Yeah, sure. And so we thought we could best love our neighbor to let's take a few weeks. Let's let this thing play out a little bit more. Let's really plan well, do it right, do it well, as opposed to let's rush. And I mean, we could have pulled it off like every church can pull it off. But we thought, yeah, let's take three weeks. And so we didn't open up till May 31st. And it was good. But that was part of our thinking internally and kind of behind the scenes there. All right. So when you got ready to reopen... What were you doing differently when you reopened than you were in February? Oh, every single thing. (laughs) Every single thing. (laughs) It was crazy. I mean, we put out uh, probably 10 days before we reopened. We kind of said, here's the top five things you need to know about coming back to church. And so we gave them five different things that were basically, here's what's going to happen when you show up. Okay. We're not offering childcare of any age right now. All we're focusing on a Sunday morning service. We're going to usher you to a seat, stuff like that, that I think maybe took some of the fear away of, uh, and it probably added fear for other people like, golly, what, this is crazy. And so we did that. We aligned our service times across our four campuses just for simplicity's sake like I said, we just decided we're going to focus only on Sunday services. Like we're not offering the building for anything else, no childcare, no on-campus Bible study, just Sunday morning worship. And that's where we're at as of today. And did you put social distancing guidelines in place or what did you say about that? Yes. Yeah. We did not have a capacity limit from our governor. So it wasn't 30% or 50%, but it was with social distancing. And so we told them to prepare like it's a wedding. You're going to show up and we're going to have somebody usher you to a seat. And, uh, and then when we dismiss, we're going to clean in between services. So, yeah, they were kind of spread out throughout the worship centers. And, you know, it's a different kind of deal. Really so you is. do two worship services at all of your campuses? That's four campuses? We did for now. Now, that changes in the normal right. world. But we just decided to really make it simple and go to right now. All right, let me talk with some reopening concepts that people are wrestling with. One, do you do anything with pre-screening of volunteers or attenders? We did not. Okay, masks. Required, available, didn't worry about it. We said it different. We said face mask encouraged. Okay. So we put in that top five things. It did not make the top five, but in parentheses, we added face mask encouraged, which... 
5.5. I think it's a big deal for people. Some hate it. Some won't come without it. I would say probably at the campus I was at, maybe 60% had it on. Okay. So did you have your volunteers or staff wearing masks when they were not on the platform? We did. We made staff all be in masks okay. just to give a great appearance and be safe. Singing. What did you do about singing? Because it seems like a lot of the people are saying like singing is a really dangerous activity. Yeah, we sang. We didn't hear about that. <laughs> you just took um, the danger. We sang. There were some who kept their mask on the entire service. Most, when they sat down, removed it. And, you know, with social distancing, people weren't close to each other. Right. And so we sang like it was a normal service. Yeah. So uh, yesterday, I was telling Leslie, yesterday we had a staff chapel yesterday. And yeah. it's on YouTube live, but it's also, there's a few, you know, some people are allowed to come if they want to. For right now, and so they came in there. So I decided I was going to try to sing with a mask on and see what that was like, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I wore mine. I mean, I walked like out of our green room area where I got mic'd up, and walked kind of to my seat and talked with some people. And so I had it on maybe three to five minutes, and I was miserable for that amount of time. Yeah. So I guess what I was just thinking, Leslie, is that if if I wasn't working here and you told me I had to wear a mask, I think I'd just stay home. Yeah, so, truthfully. Yeah, I, I mean, not trying to be want. a jerk about it. It's just that I don't want to do that. Like, it's not well, fun yeah. to do it. People are making those decisions on restaurants right now. Oh, I'm right. not going there. They make me wear a mask to the table. I'm not going right. to do that. I don't have one in my car. Right. I'm not right. worried about that. And I'm not mad about it. I just don't, just as a consumer, I oh, guess. I don't, I don't want to. You're mad about it, Jimmy. Well, I'm <laughs> not mad. So I think that part of what we're trying to figure out is what people's appetite. Did you do any kind of a survey? We did not do a survey. I know many people did. We just... We just didn't have any desire for it, honestly. All right. So you get people to come back. What did you do before you came back to train your volunteers for the new paradigm? Yeah, we had a Wednesday night gathering before Sunday for those who were going to volunteer for the day. And so I had a training with all of them. And then they were in place on Sunday at the appropriate places um, helping us out. Did you do any training like, what do you do about your huggers and handshakers? Yeah, you know, I don't know if we did anything specific towards that with volunteers. I've been given the elbow a lot, you know, just kind of being aggressive with the elbow, just stick it out there. We did. We did talk about how do we approach somebody who did not wear a mask, you know, and the question beforehand was, are we going to stop them and not let them in? And the answer was, no, we're not going to stop them, you know, because some people aren't going to do it. Some people will do it. And so for us, we encouraged it. And once you get here, it's on you. Yeah. All right. So as you're thinking through that, what about things like offering plates or Lord's Supper? What are you thinking on those things? Yeah. On the offering plates, we had a great shift in online giving, probably like many other churches. We shifted about 20% more online, which needed to happen anyway. We were, I think we were behind the trend. So we've got that in our offering time. We still are putting it in the service like we're about to pass the plate. And so we're, but we're talking about how you can give online today at crosschurch.com slash give, or you can go to the offering box at the end of the service at the back of the room. We'll have some ushers there holding offering plates as well. So we're adjusting that. We're not passing the plates anymore. And so that's a definite shift for us as well. And then same for like, have you thought about what you're going to do if, when you want to take communion? Yes, we've thought we have not done communion in this journey. Okay. We have waited to come back together what we have thought is, you know, you have the small cup, yeah, the small right, cup right, right. Where, where the juice goes. And what we have thought about is a double cup option, meaning you put an empty cup, you put the bread in the cup, 
stack the one filled with juice on top of that. So somebody comes and picks up a two-pronged thing and it's got their bread and their juice in it. We have not done that yet. So it might be a terrible idea, but it's just weird. The things that we're all having to think through things just like that. How are we going to yeah. offer communion from now on? Yeah, well, it's kind of funny because it's kind of like, hey, we're not going to offer communion because it's online. We're going to wait till we get back together, but we definitely can't do it when we get back together. <laughs> so it's yeah, exactly. Of, it's kind exactly. of a, it's a weirdest thing. All right. So you're thinking through all those things. How did you communicate? You said you communicated to your people. Here's five. So you're trying to clearly communicate. Here's what you should expect when we come so that yeah. if I'm a person who just feels like it's unsafe for me to be around people who are not wearing masks, you want to make sure I knew when I got there, everyone's not going to have on masks. Yeah. Yeah. Our main mode of communication was on May 6th, which our governor gave us. He kind of gave his, for like a better word, state of the union for churches of here's when churches can open. He said on May 4th, so May 10th being the first day, on May 6th, we had what we called a cross-church family meeting online. And we had not announced opening plans, but we said we are going to talk about reopening on that night. And so we kind of built it up into this thing, invited people on Sunday to join us on Facebook and on our live stream. And so on there, I communicated very openly about all the things that we were wrestling with, all the things that we were thinking through. And then we ultimately set that date for reopening. And so that was our main mode of communication there. Then we kind of layered that with the five things that you need to know. So I think that's a big learning for all of us. The more we can communicate during this time, the better. Our people, for us to think that, our people are hearing us if we say it one time is a total miss on our part. I think that's a great idea to have a separate conversation from a Sunday morning kind of a deal where you yeah. can just kind of say, hey, let's talk about this. And I love that you said that you did this really early. So you were able to vocalize to your people what you're actually wrestling with without announcing your decision so that people can know, hey, I'm trying to figure out what to do about masks. I'm trying to figure out what to do about singing. We're looking at pre-screening. We're trying to figure out what to do about kids. And we don't know. And if people know at least, hey, at, at least they know you're not a complete moron and you're at least thinking through both sides of all these yeah. issues. And I think yeah, they feel no better. Doubt. No doubt. We tried to explain why, you know, because for some, it's why are we not starting on May 10th? Right. We've been given clearance by the state. Why can, and others, why in the world are you starting May 31st? Right. This is a pandemic. And so we tried to just toe a line of explaining, here's our mindset behind the date. And we'll come out with later information or more information later. That's where those five things came in. Are you doing anything special with sanitation? Yeah, we did a deep cleaning throughout our campuses Sunday when we dismissed. I mean, we had we had people coming, they're spraying down chairs. I know at some of our campuses, we flipped rows. So we tape off one row and then the next service just moved the tape to the other row. So you've already got a clean row. So, yeah, I mean, all those kind of things. We said we're going to clean before, during, and after services. This was one of those five things. Okay. So, uh, what are you thinking about kids? We have said just no child care for the time being. We've got Oklahoma right next to us. Oklahoma's been one or two steps in front of us. And so, they're already offering child care. I just don't know how you do that with social distancing. I don't know how you comfort a two-year-old who's screaming because the mom just dropped him off. You know, I just don't know how to do that. And so we don't have a firm date on when we're bringing that back. And we don't know when that will be. I hope. I mean, I hope it's not long. I hope we're talking weeks, not months. But honestly, I have no idea. What are some of the things you're looking at to make that decision? Well, I think we need some of our own guidelines to loosen. I think we need to feel more loose in the main room before we're going to feel loose in the smaller rooms. 
And so, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was listening because I'm a faithful listener to the church for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I was listening to somebody you had who they very frankly said, we're encouraging parents to bring devices and headphones. And so they can sit during the worship part and then they can turn on the kids portion of the service that we offer online or they can do whatever they want. So I did the same thing. I took that advice from church for the rest of the Jimmy Sprocket podcast <laughs> here. And that first service on the second or third row, there were a couple of kids with headphones and their headphones were so loud. I could hear it while I was preaching. <laughs> no. kind of awesome. Yeah, but I, I'm glad they were there. Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, everybody's going to have to learn to adjust and do some things differently and think differently yeah. about how it feels in there. What about as you kind of move forward, like, would you be willing to share like what percentage would you say of a normal, yeah. you know, May 31st attendance? Is there, yeah. is there, are we talking 80%, 50%, 20%? What are you thinking? No, not anywhere near 80 or 50. We base it off March 8th attendance, which is the last Sunday when kind of things were in full mode. May 31st, we had 24% show up. Okay. Wow. That's across the board. So it was a little lower at some campuses, a little higher at some campuses, but 24% came back. All right. So I want our listeners to hear this because in my opinion, like Northwest Arkansas is going to be a pretty politically conservative area. It's a place that has not been hit hard by the pandemic. So people should feel relatively more free, more safe. I would think you'd be in a more aggressive area about coming back than some places would be. And yet, you know, Cross Church, one of the greatest churches in America, a lot of resources, a lot of great leadership, 24%. What I do think, unless we talk about this, that we think everybody's going to experience a 20 to 30% attendance when you first open up. We've come to believe that the curve, though, of public opinion and social kind of appetite is bending towards more reopening and less distancing over time. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Leslie? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And what you're saying exactly proves that, Nick. But I think it's great that, you know, you move forward into that and figure out your plan and put it out there. I would be curious, like, how did it feel and how did people react? Did you see people like happy to be there? Did you see people still kind of hesitant? Like, what did you feel like the, you know, feel of the room was or the rooms? Yeah, I will be 100% honest with you. The first service I was in was deader than dead, mm. oh, deader than dead. And so you kind of, you know, I didn't really have expectations for attendance. I figured, I thought 30% maybe, I thought 40 maybe, because we had waited a little bit, things were opening, but we had a spike in Northwest Arkansas literally the week before we opened, oh. which mm. I don't think helped us. But I didn't, you know, I probably had more expectations for how it would feel. I thought, oh, man, this could be great. We're going to be back there. Even if it's a small group of people, which it was, it's still going to feel good. No, it, it felt deader than dead. Honestly, me and my worship guy, we were backstage after the first service going, why did we not stay on? <laughs> but if you think about all that we had to do, where it was a very formal process, you know, 60% in mask. You have to come to the back doors of the worship center. You're ushered in. You're not seated next to people. You're seated away from people. You can't, you know, congregate in the aisles and catch up. Nothing about what we had to do safety-wise invited a freedom of worship, if that makes sense. And so, honestly, that backstage between services, we made the call. So our worship pastor came back up before the service the second time and said, all right, all that was weird. Now, everybody just take a deep breath together. I mean, he literally said, everybody take a deep breath. Ah, 
Okay, now you're in church. Let's worship together. And I'm telling you, second service was so much different. Than that's good. Service. Just have to acknowledge what the reality yeah. is. And I think that that's you know one of my biggest things is when you open up, people who are anxious to open, they're looking for something that they're not going to get when they show up. But we're going to have to break that barrier at some point, and we're going to have yeah. to move forward. So exactly. that's a great approach just to take it head on and say, this is weird. But here we are. We're yeah, going to figure know. it out. I know. And I think, too, one of my, just as I think through it, what we miss about church face-to-face is we miss the connection. Like, right. what do I actually miss? I miss, actually, the handshakes, the hugs, the conversations sure. after, whatever, because I'm getting the content delivered online. Right. So yeah. I'm not really showing up because I want the content. I can get that. I'm showing up for the connection. And so trying to create some new ways that – will be socially and medically acceptable to help people make connections, you know, face to face. And I'm interested to see how this all kind of unfolds. Nick, who are you learning from as you think through these things? Who are some of the models or the churches or the organizations that you're looking at and trying to glean from them and what they're doing? Yeah, we've seen something really cool here that I would imagine y'all have seen in South Florida. Uh, It's really brought the church, like Big C Church together in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. Where, I mean, there was probably at the very beginning of this pandemic, we had a Zoom with probably 30 of us who were on here from all different churches talking. And there's been a, a couple of key guys in our community that we've kept in touch regularly on the phone, on Zoom, on text, keeping each other updated on where we're at. And so, honestly, I've learned a lot from our own local pastors here. Mm. I think your podcast, honestly, has been a great resource to us. And there's been a lot of great resources from different people putting stuff out, but I probably leaned on more than anybody, our own local pastors and different buddies around the country, you know, who may have churches like ours that I mean, just kind of bat stuff off. I think that's a really great point too, for everybody listening. I think your best information is going to be local mm-hmm. because I think this is a local issue is. uh, in terms of what's happening with COVID in your community, in terms of how your community is responding to COVID in terms of what other kinds of places are open and full of people in your community. So I just think, you know, I think that's a great insight, no matter what size your church is, to really connect with and learn from your local businesses, other local churches, your schools, your local organizations are going to set the tone for what people's appetite is for face-to-face in your own, you know, neighborhood. So I think that's a great, Hey Nick, before we get off the end of the program here, what would you say, to our churches that are listening. A lot of our pastors that are listening are single staff churches, you know, pastor with a small and medium sized churches. What would you say that you're learning as you speak to the end of their lives and into their processes that they should be thinking about? That would be true for churches of any size. Yeah. I do think all of us have to go overboard on safety and that's not just for appearance. I mean, obviously we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And so I told our church Sunday, I said, I know all this is weird and we're hoping some of this lightens up but you are our stewardship. We're responsible. And so bear with us and give us grace. So I think we have to go overboard on all the cleanliness stuff and all that. I would say, I'd come back to what I said earlier. The biggest learning we're taking into week two is I will be opening the service personally at the campus I'm at Sunday, and I will address the weirdness. I will joke about it, laugh about it, tell them to take a deep breath. You're in church now. Let's worship together. Just break the ice. I would say that of any church of any size, address it and break that ice and move forward. Man, that was our biggest, biggest learning this week. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for being willing to come on and giving us some of your time today. It means a lot to me, your friendship, 
means a lot to me. And the partnership between our churches and the network that we share in the Southern Baptist Convention is vital to you personally, to me personally, to our churches and the, our mission in the world. And so uh, this is uh, Jimmy Scroggins, Leslie Bennett, Nick Floyd, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.